Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for... Power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there and welcome to another week of This Week in History. This week we're going to be covering Queen Elizabeth I of England, the last Tudor. So Queen Elizabeth was actually crowned on the 15th of January 1559. She was 25 years old and she was born on the 7th of September 1533. Uh, She reigned from 1559 until March the 24th 1603. She was the second daughter of King Henry VIII. Now, King Henry VIII is possibly the most famous um, royal in British history, uh, very famous for um, the six wives, uh, very famous for um, his role to play in disbanding the Catholic Church in England. Um, he had a very sort of lucrative reign as king. Um, and Elizabeth was actually born to his second wife, Anne Boleyn. So, and many people will know about Anne Boleyn. Um, there's a lot of stories uh, in regards to obviously how she was killed, um, and so on and so forth. She was actually beheaded uh, on the 19th of May, 1536. So Elizabeth wasn't even three years old when her mom was executed. Now there are stories that say she was executed for being a witch. Um, there are stories that say she had an extra finger, um, and that's why she was executed. Uh, there are a lot of stories in regards to it. However, the main reason um, she was accused of adultery, so she was actually accused of cheating on King Henry VIII. Um, if I'm perfectly honest with you, I don't ever see that happening. Um, I think it was just Henry's way of uh, getting out of it. Um, Anne had uh, two two miscarriages um, after Elizabeth, um, and she actually did give birth to a baby boy. Um, which subsequently died in childbirth so um, Henry obviously realised that she was never going to give him a son um, and that was why she was executed Um, he did have a little bit of mercy for her Uh, he actually made sure she was executed by a sword rather than an axe 
So, uh, contrary to films and things like that, if an axe swung at your head, very rarely was it a clean shot. Um, it normally took a couple of attempts to get the head off. Um, whereas with a sharpened sword, it would have been one one swift movement. Um, so, does show a little bit of mercy there from Henry VIII. Um, again, like I said, with Elizabeth only being, you know, two two and two years eight months old. Um, and knowing that her father had her mother killed, um, the effect that this must have had on a on a young child at that age um, is, you know, is, is astronomical. And and I think this plays a big part into how Queen Elizabeth was as a queen as uh, growing up. Um, so obviously, once um, he had Anne Boleyn executed, uh, the clergy actually null and void the marriage. So. Henry VIII's marriage between Anne Boleyn was classed as illegitimate um, and it actually made uh, Queen Elizabeth or at the time Princess Elizabeth um, she lost her royal status um, and she was demoted from Princess Elizabeth to Lady Elizabeth um, and she was spoken in common tongue as King Henry's second bastard daughter um, so she was not really um, well known for for very much you know she, at two or three years old she's watched her mother be executed um that, that her dad did or that her dad sanctioned um and then she's had a princess status stripped away and she's been moved away from the palace so um she's lost her rights to the throne um 11 days after Anne Boleyn was executed her father then married Jane Seymour um Jane Seymour gave birth to Edward, who would later become Edward VI, um, in 1537. That's when Edward was born. Um, so this made Edward the undisputed heir to the throne of England. Um, in these days, uh, what it was, was if you were a daughter um, and the king had a son after you, it was not done in age order, it was done the son takes the throne first. Um, and then the daughters would have been left after that, should that have been possible. Um, if the obviously if the king then didn't have any children, it would have then gone to the next living heir. Um, so the young Elizabeth at this time was actually placed under the care of a woman named Catherine Ashley. Now, more commonly through history, she's known as Cat Ashley. So I'm going to refer to her as Cat Ashley um, in 1537. So Cat actually taught Elizabeth uh, four languages. So at a young age, Elizabeth was learning French, Flemish, Italian, and Spanish. So that just shows, obviously, the mindset that this this young princess had. Um, you know, she, she'd had a very traumatic upbringing. Um, she'd been taken away from her home, and she used that to better herself and to learn languages and to to um, improve her academia. Um, and by 1544 she actually learnt Latin and Greek as well so she was fluent in many many languages and it was actually said that um, she was that fluent in her languages she would be able to speak it as if it was her mother tongue so she was very very clever, very intellectual um, in fact by 12 years old she actually could translate from English into Latin, into Italian and into Greek so not just speak the language, she could read it and translate it. 
um, she actually gave a New Year's Day present to King Henry VIII, which still survives today. Um, it's a religious book called Prayers or Meditations. Um, and this book, basically, her prayers were written in Italian, um, in Latin, and in Greek. So they were all written out, and there's not a single mistake in these books. Um, for a girl of 12 years old to be able to write something like that, um, it was just unheard of in those times. She was so, so smart for her age, um, so clever. Um, and at a time in history where women were looked upon as inferior to men, um, I think it came as a bit of a shock to a lot of people that she actually was this this cl clever woman who uh, had a had a head on her shoulders, really. Um, so basically, both um, her and her sister Mary. Um, so Mary was her older sister. Mary was born from the first marriage, where Henry divorced, um, and Elizabeth was from the second marriage. Um, they were actually reinstated to the succession in 1544. So Henry VIII brought them back um, and basically put them back in line to the throne. So as king, he had the ability to to give or take away the succession to the throne. Um, obviously, the, the uh, succession fell to Edward first, um, and then it would have gone to Mary and then Elizabeth. So um, the crown had a bloodline. It had somewhere to go after Henry died. Um at this time in history, 1544, nobody, no women had ever sat on the English throne. So we had never had a Queen of England. So again, that was quite important to note that obviously Henry to give his daughters that option or that opportunity to become Queen, um, it really sort of speaks to, to how times were moving on and how he realised how his daughters could actually influence the Tudor line and keep the Tudor name going um, so basically if Edward had died like I said the crown fell to Mary and then to Elizabeth now there were some complications to this because um, if Edward died without an heir um, which we will cover in a bit um, obviously if Edward did have an heir if he did have a son or a daughter then obviously the crown would have gone to them before Mary and Elizabeth um, at this time in history Henry actually went to war in France so he actually left his wife Catherine Parr in charge so in 1544 Henry left to France and he left Catherine Parr in charge of the country now this is basically where Elizabeth learned firsthand how influential a woman can be in court now when I say in court the court in at this time meant the monarchy and uh, the royal court rather than a, a law court of law um, so in court um, Catherine Parr gave Elizabeth the uh, standing and Elizabeth had the ability to watch what Catherine Parr was doing um, and learnt how she actually as a woman could rule effectively um, and that obviously again something that sort of sits with her at a young a youngish age um and something that gives her confidence i suppose going forwards um as a monarch um so later in in the period of january the 28th in 1547 henry the 8th dies um he died from a wound that he'd suffered a few years before um he had a jousting wound in his leg um, every so often it would pass up it got infected um, I believe he had influenza and he died from that um, so it was 
the the poison and things it, and an old injury that that costs the king his life um at nine years old edward becomes the king of england so edward the sixth king of england um and catherine parr is obviously now a widow catherine parr marries thomas seymour so a few years later she she marries thomas seymour um thomas seymour was quite high up in british society and obviously gave her a little bit more of a, a better standpoint than if she'd, she'd married a commoner so from this um, Catherine and Thomas Seymour they take Elizabeth under their wing and um, they take her away from uh, the hustle and bustle of London they take her away from the, the, the court and they move her into their home in Chelsea so um, to, to West London um, now it's it's documented quite well that um, in this situation Thomas Seymour actually took quite an advantage of the young princess and the princess being 14 years old at this time um, it's there's noted in, in many documents that um, he engaged in horseplay and romps now romps obviously um, back then meant um, more horseplay more flirting rather than actual romps in the sack Um there are um, evidence and witness testimonies to say that he used to go into her room at night um, in his undergarments or in his pyjamas um, and he used to slap her on the bum and things like that so for a young girl at sort of 14 years old you've watched your mum die at a young age your dad's just died your little brother's become king you've now been moved into a house with a woman who you believed was you know your stepmother and was going to look after you and her new husband um is touching you up and groping you you know i think she had a very very difficult upbringing a very difficult time as a princess um and what made it worse was catherine parr didn't actually stop this so she actually um on occasions used to get involved now when i say get involved i don't mean she got involved with the groping but she saw it as um more of a joke um whereas i don't think thomas seymour saw it as a joke um catherine parr sort of played along with the joke side of it um and then one day uh, catherine actually saw um an embrace or a cuddle or a kiss and um, we're not sure on the details it's just known as an embrace between um elizabeth and thomas seymour what she actually did at that point was she sent elizabeth away so again at this point um, Elizabeth's been been moved away again. She's she's had her whole world turned upside down. Um, Catherine Parr actually died later that year in childbirth on the fifth of September, fifteen forty eight. She passed away, and at this point, Thomas Seymour then started to make his plans to marry Qu oh sorry Queen Princess Elizabeth at this time. So he was planning to take advantage of a young Elizabeth, a young Princess Elizabeth and make her his bride um, obviously in minds to looking further down the line and looking into um, the possibility of even becoming King of England so he, you know, he was planning quite far ahead um, to sort this all out um, what actually happened was he was, he was discovered in his plan um, and a lot of his behavior was actually exposed so what he did in previous um it was actually exposed 
Um, and on this, he was actually arrested in January 1549. So he his plan to woo Elizabeth only lasted three months before he got arrested for, for treason um, and arrested for, obviously, his behaviour. Um, and he was actually beheaded on the 20th of March 1549 in the Tower of London. So again, another person quite close to Elizabeth, rightly or wrongly, um, was beheaded. So... Um, not he was beheaded wrongly, he was beheaded rightly, but um, rightly or wrongly, someone she she was close to. Um, so obviously at this time, she's now back in court, she's back in the palace, she's back um, dealing with the day-to-day life of a princess. And on the 6th of July 1553, King Edward, age 15, dies. Now... Obviously, at 15 years old, he's not left a successor. He has nobody to take the throne from him. And the throne automatically would fall to Mary. Or so you would think. Now, at this time, Edward was a Protestant like his father. And Mary was a devout Catholic. Now, with Mary being a Catholic, Edward didn't want Mary to have the throne. And as King of England, he decided that actually he doesn't want Mary to have the throne and she's not going to have it so he named his successor Lady Jane Grey Lady Jane Grey (coughs) became Queen of England now Lady Jane Grey is actually known as the Nine Day Queen and you'll understand why Um, she had very very little support across the country Um, she was not the next heir to the throne as far as the British people were concerned um, and Mary had a lot more support um, from Catholics and Protestants you know it wasn't just the Catholics that supported Mary at this point a lot of people actually believed well actually whether she believes our way of life or not she is legitimately the the next line to the throne uh, so Mary actually rode into London uh, with Elizabeth at her side and Mary became queen so she took over the crown um, and she imprisoned Lady Jane Grey in the tower and executed her on the 12th of February 1554 so again she was only queen for nine days she didn't ask to be queen she was appointed queen of England and then she was executed for being appointed queen of England so at this time um, Britain was a very strange society a very weird and wonderful place to be living um you know you're imprisoned for things and killed for things that you have no control over um so at this point obviously um elizabeth and mary rode into london side by side everything looked quite good as far as the tudors were concerned at this point um things did not stay good for elizabeth for very long Um, and this was mainly due to the fact that elizabeth herself was uh, christian but she was Church of England like her father, um, and she was not Catholic like Mary. So the Protestant side um, caused a few issues. So again, um, you had a lot of Protestants in the country who had obviously dealt with Henry VIII, then had King Edward, um, and then when Mary comes into power, she she said, no, the, the religion of this country will be Catholicism, we will be a Catholic country again. Um, and a lot of people didn't like that same as before 
when Henry VIII tried to implement the Church of England and implement the Protestant ways into England, a lot of the Catholics didn't like that. So we were in a situation where people started to rebel against the crown. Um, and at this point, um, there was a rebellion, um, and Mary actually married King Philip of Spain. So King Philip was a devout Christian, uh, sorry, a devout Catholic as well. Um, and this caused more problems and many Protestants looked to Elizabeth um, for some sort of opposition to Mary's Catholicism um, and a rebellion actually started early in 1554 now, this rebellion didn't last very long and it was crushed very very quickly and very swiftly by Mary and the royal forces now the problem with this is like I said these forces were looking to Elizabeth to create some sort of um, a backlash or some sort of an opposition to Mary and, and whether she did or whether she didn't actually um, remains to be seen we're not sure her involvement in the plots or anything she may, she may or may not as far as anything but she was arrested for it she was arrested and she was locked in the tower on the 18th of March 1544 um, now most people who went through Traitor's Gate, uh, Traitor's Gate is the gate on the Thames where people were brought in and out of the Tower of London. Um, the majority of people who sailed through there uh, ended up not coming back out. So the Tower of London was a very, very cruel place um, and a very, very dangerous place to be, especially when you're not the same religion as the Queen. Um, so Elizabeth almost believed she was facing certain death now she was actually spared and moved from the tower on the 22nd of may so she didn't actually spend as much time in there as people would believe but she was moved out of the tower when she was moved from the tower of london she was pretty much placed under a house arrest um, she moved from uh, the tower of london to a different prison and she was then moved to hatfield house now um she was moved there and again, like I said, she was kept under a form of house arrest. She was looked at, um, and basically everything she did was scrutinised. Now, this was mainly because Mary had become very, very obsessed with the fact that she believed people were trying to kill her. Um, and she believed Elizabeth was one of these people. So she wanted her to have a, a close eye kept on her. Um turned out Mary actually died a few years later she died on the 17th of November 1558 and again Mary had no heirs to the throne she had no children and the crown then fell to Elizabeth so Elizabeth she got out of prison or out of her home prison um, and she became queen she was crowned on the 15th of January 1559 where she reigned until the 24th of March 1603 now Queen Elizabeth was known commonly as the virgin queen so this is mainly because she never married and um, whether she was a virgin or not is yet to be you know we don't know that um but she she definitely didn't marry um possibly due to the fact that she was um abused as a child um i know i think seeing a man like thomas seymour and how he took advantage of, of her at a young age. Um, I can't imagine that would not put somebody off the idea of marriage. I think uh, I think that would definitely put a lot of people off. Um, 
And the other reason was uh, she was devoted to her country. She was devoted to England and she believed that the only way she could be 100% for England would be if she devoted her time and her life to England. And that, that meant that if she had a marriage, she would have to deal with childbirth, she would have to deal with um, different types of problems that, that married people have that, that she wouldn't have to deal with. She couldn't devote 100% of her time, love and effort into protecting her country and and that's why one of the main reasons why she she stayed celibate um so she she stayed the virgin queen now that doesn't mean she had no offers you know as as queen of a country um especially a country as well renowned as england she had many many suitors um, and a lot of marriage proposals as well so she she was not short of options um but she she never actually settled for anybody um and she knew in her heart of hearts that most of these men were looking for a way to progress themselves in the world um and the queen of england um, would certainly have given them a better status than what they already had regardless of who they were um, and that I think was one of the, another reason why she sort of realised that no one was going to love her they were going to love the position of power that she could put them into um, so it sort of gives you a bit of an, an insight to, to her psyche and how she was as a person um, you know the traumas that she had growing up um, and how she then portrays that as a queen by staying away from um, marriage and staying away from people and devoting her time completely to the survival of this country um, you know it just goes to prove that um, while Elizabeth was reigning in this, this country um, this time frame was known as the golden years of the Tudor times so this era was famous for possibly the most famous playwright ever of William Shakespeare you know Shakespeare um, all his plays were written during this period they were written in the Tudor times so um, things like that she allowed Britain to progress as a country um, and she cemented the English church so the the church of England which still exists today um, she was the one who cemented that into this country um, and she made compromises with the Catholics so in this country um, I know there has been uh, persecution of Catholics um, but she tried to make a compromise rather than total annihilation of, of a, a, a religion that essentially is the same <laughs> the same thing um, just a different head of the church so you know she she tried to appease everybody she tried to be a powerful queen but a respected queen and a queen that wouldn't you know wouldn't persecute her subjects for what they believed um the pope at this time was pope sixus the sixth um, and he is quoted saying that she is only a woman only a mistress of half an island now that's in regards to obviously at this time scotland was um, was under a different different rule um, and she only was in charge of half of half of the island um, he goes on to say and yet she makes herself feared by Spain, by France by the empire by all and what he means by the empire is the holy roman empire which was uh, modern day um, Italy and Germany so um, 
So it just goes to prove that um, you know she was she was feared. She was a renowned queen. She was certainly not somebody to mess with. Um, and she she did a lot of great things. Like I said, obviously the the William Shakespeare side of things. Um, a lot of people will, will know of Francis Drake. Um, Francis Drake uh, was actually Sir Francis Drake, um, as he was knighted. I um, mean, circumnavigated the globe from 1577 to 1580. So he actually sailed the whole way around the world. He was one of the first people to do that. Um, and obviously, he, he also played a part in possibly the most famous event during Queen Elizabeth's reign which was the Spanish Armada, the defeat of the Spanish Armada. So she had a lot of uh, people around her at this time that were extremely important and, and have gone down in history. Um, Sir Walter Raleigh is another famous uh, man who was around at this time. That you know There are characters throughout history um, who, who were known around the Elizabethan age um, and I think Queen Elizabeth and how she ruled the country had a huge effect on that. Um, she was a wonderful queen, and she did a lot of good for this country. I mean, she also did a few a few bad things. Um, she executed her cousin Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, she, you know, there there are there are certain things that she did that that possibly she regretted. Um, I know there there are stories that suggest she regretted murdering um, Mary, Queen of Scots. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that how she was killed, you know, she was she was killed with the axe um, she didn't get the mercy that uh, her mother got um, and the axe actually didn't wasn't a clean clean kill it, it, the first stroke of the axe hit the top of her head, the second stroke of the axe hit the neck um, and then the executioner then had to sort of saw with the axe to, to remove the head um, so a, a quite a gruesome way to go um, and I, I do think she regretted that decision um, and it, it sort of plagued her plagued her quite a lot um, like I said I mean the main the most important thing she was famous for when we, when we look back through British history was the defeat of the Spanish Armada um, the Spanish Armada sent 130 ships and around 24,000 soldiers and sailors to attack Britain so this was one of the biggest um, armies that had ever been assembled to attack Britain, um, and it, you know, the, at the time Britain didn't actually believe they could stop this this war. They didn't believe they could win, um, and it fell to people like Sir Francis Drake um, to protect Britain. So um, Britain sailed off uh, the coast of Plymouth um, and attacked um, attacked the Spanish Armada. So. Um, they were aided by a bit of bad weather the bad weather did certainly help the British um, the British had slightly smaller ships um, compared to the Spanish ships the Spanish ships were quite large didn't manoeuvre very well um, and the British had that, that ability to manoeuvre their ships a little bit better um, and the British used fire ships so fire ships at this time was, was a ship that they basically set ablaze and rammed it into another ship, rammed it into the Spanish ships, um, and burnt them to the ground. Um, so out of the 130 ships that made the voyage, uh, the Spanish lost around 60 of those ships. Um, they also lost around 15,000 men. Um, so out of the 24,000 they sent, they lost more than half. Um, 
This defeat of the Spanish Armada actually cemented Britain throughout the world as a naval power, um, a country not to be messed with when it comes to seafaring um, ability. Um, and it's something that the British have been really proud of ever since. You know, the British Navy um, is still one of the, the greatest jewels of this country. We are so proud of our Navy, um, and we always have been. And I think uh, a lot of that stems from a defeat like that where Britain were vastly outnumbered um, they were outgunned, they were outmatched um, a force a lot larger um, than theirs had, had approached their shores and, and they fended them off with very very few casualties um, so obviously you know it, it went down in history, it went down as a huge victory for Britain, it went down as a massive defeat for the Spanish um, and, and it it cemented the British Navy into legend um, so obviously Queen Elizabeth is quite an interesting queen um, as far as I'm concerned um, She, like I said she died on the 24th of March 1604 um, she died from uh, what's said melancholy basically she was depressed um, She, at this time in her life uh, a lot of her friends had died um, a lot of people she was close with had passed away um, and she went into a deep depression and, and that affected her, her mental health it affected her physical health and she ended up dying on the 24th of March um, and she did not name a successor so she actually didn't name anybody to take over the crown after she died um, and the Tudor dynasty ended with her she was the last Tudor um, the crown for England actually went to her cousin who was uh, King James VI of Scotland um, which was Mary Queen of Scots, uh, her son so the woman that she had killed a few years before, her son actually became James I of England so um, there are a lot of stories and, and things that Queen Elizabeth did that has, has influenced modern day society um, and I think you know the first queen uh the first queen elizabeth um the virgin queen she was one of the best loved and most influential monarchs in british history um and you know i i had to cover her i thought she, i think she's a wonderful um role model for for everyone um you know she she put her country first she loved her country and and she did what she believed was right um you know she made mistakes but she went down in history as one of the greatest monarchs this country's ever had so um i hope you enjoyed the episode like i said if there's uh, any feedback please let me know uh we're available on facebook at this week in history um or you can email me any requests for any shows that you might have which is twihpod at gmail.com and just remember we all have history so make yours great Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep, in-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. 
Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with Geico or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with Geico. Bundling is easy with Geico. Just ask your neighbors. Bundling car and renter's insurance with Geico is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with Geico or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with Geico. Bundling is easy with Geico. Just ask your neighbors.